0: Here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. Boot campers, just so you know, here in a hotel room in Nashville, doing a couple of meetings here in Nash Vegas, and we're here in the hotel, and I noticed, Bob, you have your socks on the wrong feet. No, I don't. Your socks list which foot you're supposed to put them on. Oh.
1: And you got the left one on your right foot, and the right one on your left foot. Well... But look at it, Jimbo. The back of the sock are they wrong side out? I don't see how they would be. You know, because I I don't. I'm, I don't think they're any different. Oh, okay. But it says left and right. Okay. Got, well, there you go. Well, I'm an old man, Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, it harkened back to one of the first times we ever hung out together it was at a dive bar called Tractors. And it was one of the first real long get to know each other hangouts at Tractors. You can go back to many, many episodes ago and you can look at and hear about Tractors. We went to another dive bar tonight and got some smash burgers at, I can't remember what the name of that place was. It was. Jack Brown's? Jack Brown's in Nashville on the recommendation of uh, one of our replant friends here in Nashville.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great. So I think they were playing 2000s rock yep. in their little P.O.D. when we walked in. You knew all the tunes. I didn't know any of those tunes, I guess, because that's back in my youth pastor phase when I could only listen to Christian music.
0: Yeah. Well, P.O.D., that's what was shocking. Was we walked into P.O.D. as a Christian band. Yeah, yeah. And they had Youth of a Nation playing when we walked in, and then, then it went to System of a Down, which is a very different, similar style, but very different theology.
1: It was all kind of similar sound music. It was yeah. kind of puka shell, frosted tips kind of music. Yeah, man. I guess that was probably you back in the day. I
0: said? never had frosted tips or puka shell, but I was that was my music. That was your genre. That was my genre in,
1: in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think at this point I had two kids about to have a third, and uh, I was just trying to survive.
0: Yeah, I think I just met Jesus and <laughs> <laughs> was still learning a lot of different things. Today, though, we want to talk about stiff neck. I got a fun conversation for you, Bob. All right. We're going to talk about stiff-necked, hard to deal with, I mean, like, resistant to change... Not like resistant to change, obstinate to change. Bob, have you encountered, in, in your many, many journeys of helping replants, have you encountered any, like, really just, I mean, stand-in-your-way
1: stiff-necked opposition? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've been in ministry for 20 plus years, so yeah, I mean, youth ministry and associate pastoring, and especially in replanting, I mean, yeah, it's almost every ministry stop along the way, I've encountered someone who is resistant to change. Now, what I categorize them as stiff-necked, maybe a few along the way, Yeah, but... You know, not every every stop, but there was at least people that were resistant to change. And there, there's a hall of fame uh, of folks that reside <laughs> in my mind that would be listed as stiff-neck.
0: In your in your recent consultations, you you've hit kind of a, a few walls. I've hit a few walls. Yeah. Talk to us a little about what you've experienced.
1: Yeah, I man. I was just on the phone with someone who was at an event we did last year, and we were talking about leading change and the work of a replanter. And so they were they were on their way to serve as a, a new replant pastor, his spouse, at a church. They had folks who had agreed to help them with this replant, the, the church even voted to replant. So they show up there, they start doing the work, they start changing a few things. And Jimbo, it, it seems to be a stiff-necked people, they don't have to have a lot of change, it can be just a little thing. And it it oftentimes is just one thing that that they're just not going to take it. Right. And so this particular group of folks rose up because they wanted to repair a roof that was leaking for 20 plus years. And they just got bids on what it might cost to fix the 20 year old leaking roof. And a couple of these folks got frustrated and they threatened to sue them. They had secret meetings, and so I think that would qualify as a stiff-necked group of yeah. people, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I
0: mean, is this part?
1: Of, was that phone conversation
0: part of what motivated you to write a Bart Barber <laughs> long Twitter threads? Yes.
1: yes, I think it was that, and another church that I was doing a town hall meeting for that just has a history of you know being a church that runs pastors off, and the yeah. last guy that was at this one particular church in in the greater St. Louis area. Young guy was leading them through some revitalization steps. And it's just stuff that made sense. right? Yeah. It's practical yeah. kinds of things. And so they just got to a point where they were, they're not going to change anymore. And so they bucked it and resisted it. And it's usually a small group of people. And that was the case here. And so yeah. there have been several consultations that I've done over the last probably three or four months that have just stood out like that. You're just running into like, man, is it everywhere? It seems to be a lot of different places right now.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, the smaller the church, it di- when a church is much smaller, it does not take many people to completely hijack or hold the situation hostage. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can completely keep it from happening. Now, sometimes we see, we got a buddy in Florida that we've been working with, consulting, coaching him as he's been working with his church, and they had a, a replant opportunity to get voted down. But they actually had what we don't see happen very often. One of the people who was standing in the way, it was really two votes that shut it down. One of them said, hey, I will abstain. I will pull out of this. Why don't you guys vote without me? And I just, I won't be a part of what happens moving forward. Mm-hmm. And they were able to then vote again. And it was voted in 100%. So that happens every
1: once in a while. It does. And I'm so I'm so thankful that that did. And actually, I was in Florida and got to have a chance to meet that guy and talk to him. And I talked to him the day after... The vote went bad <laughs> he rolled in there because you had you had mentioned to him you know hey bob's going to be at this event and so i met him and i was so excited to meet him and i was thinking okay how'd how it go brother and he's like well he told me the story yeah but then he said but then the, the guy who voted the two guys who voted against it and that was the super majority kind of a roll, right they just right. the numbers can be so low and that's the thing jimbo is we see a lot of churches there's just a small group of people that can hold up progress. Yeah. And so you've got to deal with those folks. And oftentimes it's you, the pastor who has to deal with them is a, a pastoring in a long line of other pastors. He's just the latest guy. It's yep. kind of like the paper towel dispenser, you know, you just pull <laughs> off one and there's another one that comes in, right? Well, there's like three or four or yeah. 12 before that, Yeah. that sometimes a pastor doesn't deal or his leaders, the, the lay leaders, too. They don't deal with the, the stiff-necked people, and they just hold the church hostage. And so I think I've seen a lot of that, unfortunately, yeah. over the last couple of months.
0: Well, the thing is, I get why the pastor would not deal with them. And depending on the numbers and how your bylaws are written, I mean, going against that that group, however small it is, I mean, very well condemned in you not being the pastor there. That's right. And I remember years ago, I met with a guy who... Had been trying to work around, but not directly address that group of people that was in his church. And we had lunch one day, and and he was just, you know, pouring his heart out to me how he's been there for seven years, I think, at that point, and he's just done everything he can to work around that group, but that group just holds all the power. Mm-hmm. A very small group of people, one family, and they just seem to have hijacked everything. And so he told me he was. About to put in his resignation, but a friend of his, I think a cousin of his, actually told him before you resign, go have lunch with Jimbo.
1: Yeah, I think that everybody's that should be on everybody's to do list <laughs> before you resign. Go have lunch. With go Jimbo. have lunch with Jimbo. Yes. and
0: and so he's telling me. I said so. I asked him. I said so. Is it a foregone conclusion? Like, regardless of how this lunch goes, you're you're putting your resignation in. Mm-hmm. And he said, Yeah, I'm, I'm done. And I said, Okay, can I just challenge you with maybe a thought you haven't had? And he said, Okay. I said, if you're willing to quit, are you willing to be fired?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he goes, I mean, what do you, what do you mean? And I said, well, what if? I said, it sounds like every pastor prior to you has hit the same wall you've hit, and has quit, and this family keeps winning. I mean, they win every battle because eventually the pastor just leaves. I mm-hmm. said, so if you're if you're willing to quit and not be the pastor there anymore, why not take some shots on your way out? Yeah. And let's just try to just hit this head on. And I mean, maybe you end up getting fired, but you at least maybe set the groundwork, maybe a little bit for the next guy. And the beautiful part of that is he hit him head on. I coached him through some ways to do that. And we worked out a plan and he was bold and he did it. And that family left. The rest of the church stood behind him. And I mean, eventually they had to disfellowship. Oh, yeah. That family in yeah. church discipline,
1: yeah.
0: and when they when that happened, the rest of his church, I mean, they voted. They stood up and they said, "Yeah, you got to go." Yeah. And man, he was so he was reinvigorated and had just such new energy and excitement. And it was really cool to see that new energy that he had after doing that. But he had to be willing to be fired. And that's a that's a really easy thing for us to challenge people to from our hotel room recording a podcast episode. <laughs> and there's a lot of implications to that. But I do think it's that serious.
1: Yeah, there's I think there's a situation in every church's life that has been in long decline that maybe has, you know, bullies or gatekeepers or strongholds or divisions, that sort of thing. For that church to move forward, somebody's gonna have to take a stand. And until that person does. And sees that battle through, then oftentimes, especially if they get up to the point of, of when they're they're working towards change that needs to happen, and then if if the gatekeepers and the bullies and the, the the people who are against it come out against them, and if they back down, then what it does is it entrenches that pattern and it emboldens those folks to to continue to do what they've been doing for years. So it does take somebody to say, "This is not going to happen anymore." Yeah. Right. And I'm going to see this through regardless. I'm going to lay it on the line, and the health of this church, the future of this church, the, for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to have to take a stand on this. Right. Yeah. And so we're not talking little things, Jimbo. We're not talking, you know, style of music or, or bulletin or, you know, all those sorts of things, but we're talking about fundamental biblical things yeah. that express themselves through folks who create division, folks who resist missional activity uh, yep. in the, in the yep. life of the church, you know, those sorts of things. And folks who just resist the clear the clear guidance of, of God's word, right?
0: Yeah, I think when I when I talk to people in that have only experienced being in relatively healthy churches, mm-hmm. and they always have a lot of questions about my role and what I do. And I mean, they I start to tell some stories, and they're always like so shocked, <laughs> like like they're just shell shocked that like people actually oppose biblical mission. I'm like, yes, all the time. One of the things you said in your Barber-esque tweet thread was uh, you started out with a replant and revitalization reality is as a church declines and consistently choose not to address the underlying issues, uh, slowly really healthy people leave the church. Mm And so sometimes people that are that are back, for whatever reason, and, and I'm sure it's a different story each time, but a lot of times it's a power thing, it's a there's a lot of dynamics as to why this would happen. But if you're talking about a church that needs to be replanted. So just to clarify, that means this church at best has three to five years left before we're shutting the doors, donating the property. I mean, there's just, just not there's not runway, right? At that point, there's a pretty high chance. You've got some bullies, some gatekeepers, some unhealthy people in power that are going to stand in your way, and brother, a battle is coming.
1: Yeah, especially too. I think Jimbo, if you know, we think three to five years or you know, three years or less. And most of the time, when we attach that time frame, it's a money issue, mm-hmm. right? But the, one of the churches that I was talking uh, with a guy about, they just sold a piece of property, plus they had reserves. Jimbo, they had half a million dollars in the bank. Mm. So the time was not a factor, like the, the concern, yeah. the financial concern was not a factor, but the vitality of the church living on mission is the concern and the age of the congregants, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So it's an obedience issue, and it's a it's an obedience and missional issue sometimes more than it is a money issue, Yep. right? So unfortunately we have some churches that could be just a handful of people meeting in a really large auditorium, and they've got enough money to, to ride it out until they all die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And but that's not a healthy church. No. Right. And and one of the things I always say when I'm consulting churches is, do you ever know somebody who died who had a lot of money? And they say, Yeah, They're, well, churches this church is, is in that same position. You've yeah. got a lot of money, but you guys are heading towards death. Yeah. And so money is not the marker of health and vitality.
0: Yeah. So talk to us about your favorite what's your favorite replanter scripture passage yeah. that, that applies to this scenario.
1: Well, Colossians 128 and 29 is really my go-to replant verse, and it talks about the, the focus of the gospel. So it says, him we proclaim, and then here's the next phrase. Paul says, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so oftentimes we overlook that warning, right? We get we go to seminary, mm-hmm. we get mm-hmm. trained to teach, we get trained to pastor. Sometimes we even get trained sort of to administrate the affairs of the church. We've never really been trained about warning. Like how do you issue a real serious clear warning that's based on a church being disobedient to what God has called them to do or being divisive, people being divisive or people working behind the scenes, right? So one of the churches I recently consulted, there was a, a staff member's wife who punted her Sunday school lessons for the entire season the church was considering its future. And she rallied a group of older senior adult women towards voting down or being resistant to this this church moving forward with with its future. And so she was doing that out of a a desire to preserve what existed, preserve a a place for her husband, a place for herself, a place for these older ladies. So maybe the intentions were good, but Jimbo, one of the things I've told the pastor is like, hey, you can't allow that to happen. No. Right? She's there to teach of the Bible study and to pray and to shepherd those women and participate as a leader in the unity and trying to build unity in the life of the church. Now, she doesn't have to agree with the decision, but she needs to respect the process, and the process is we're going to talk about this as a church family Mm -hmm. together in town hall meetings, not use my Sunday school class to embolden Mm -hmm. these women to vote against whatever this opportunity is before us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important that we understand we have to do this. You have to say what you've got to say with the directness of a prophetic voice, Mm but with the gentleness of a pastoral heart. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be both. So you can't just come in and be the hammer. But one of the errors I think we make sometimes is we lean more towards the gentleness side. Yeah. And what unintentionally happens is we are unclear because clarity creates conflict in these types of situations in the sense that when you're very clear about, hey, here's what we're not going to do, that's a confrontational. But yeah, you can do that in a pastoral, gentle, but also very clear mm-hmm. and direct. And so, a couple of things I would say is be ready. Change is going to almost radical change will always require a definitive battle. So, just suit up, brother. Yeah. Get yeah. ready. And I, to add another scripture, I would go Ephesians 6 in the spiritual warfare. Remember, these people are not your enemies, right? we don't fight against flesh and blood but we fight against rulers and powers and principalities not so there's spiritual things at dynamic here which is why you can't just do the direct prophetic voice it also has to be pastoral and it's why it's so important here i'm gonna add i'm gonna add three b's the three b's of battling bullies are you ready this episode is brought to you by the letter b here we go the three b's of battling bullies then let's break these down one the Bible, two bylaws, three buddies.
1: <laughs>
0: so the Bible, let's go Bible first. You make make sure if you're going to stand this firm that you are biblically justified. No. Right? Don't fight this hard over the chandeliers. Yeah. Don't fight this hard over what you print in the bulletin. These battles reserve this kind of battle that we're talking about where you could end in church discipline and disfellowshipping people. You reserve that for biblical matters and make sure that your battle plan is biblical. Yeah, absolutely. Two, bylaws. Do not, please hear me so clearly, do not go against your bylaws. Your bylaws may be trash, but I'm going to quote the great Rick Richard Rick Wheeler. And here's what he told me a long time ago. When Baptists fight the bylaws win. Yeah. So here's the, so often you, I've heard people go, yeah, but these bylaws are trash, so we've got it. Nope. They are the bylaws. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna disfellowship, you're gonna do some sort of major thing that requires a vote from the church, you, you double, triple check That you're going by the bylaws. If you have the capacity to get legal counsel, get legal counsel. Most state conventions, if you're Southern Baptist, have some lawyer on retainer that can give you free legal advice over the phone. And you can talk to them and you can can email them the bylaws and you can say, here's what I think I'm going to do. Is this legal? Will... If I get sued, will I lose? Now, they can't prevent you from getting sued. Sometimes people are just going to sue you.
1: Yeah, well, they're threatened. They will also threaten to sue and not Sometimes sue. Sometimes they'll threaten
0: to sue and not sue. Sometimes they'll sue, but they have no grounds. And so if you're going to do anything that has anything to do with how the bylaws tell you to do things, you have to do it by the bylaws. Yeah. Bible, bylaws, buddies. Don't pastor alone. You can't do this alone. You need some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, You need a DOM, you need state convention help, you need other pastor friends that can be there for you, they can be a sounding board, give you wise counsel. If you're going to fight this kind of battle, make sure you've got some guys in the bunker with
1: you. Yeah, you can't do it alone. And the last three tweets in this Barber-esque thread, I think, kind of set the, the... Context for us here to understand the importance of it. Here's here's what I said. Um, here's the decision point. A war is already raging for the health and well-being of the congregation. Who will stand up to the gatekeepers and bullies out of love and with integrity and call them to biblical faithfulness or salvation? Who will fight for the well-being of the church? And then here's what the pastor needs to know. Pastor, they will attack your ideas, mm-hmm. your work, your preaching, your pastoral care, your leadership. And if you are undeterred and if they are not corrected by you or the larger body, they will often escalate and begin attacking your family. Yeah. So this is the context of the last battle for the war for church health. This is the tactic of the enemy, or these are the tactics of the enemy. So here's the exhortation, stand strong, replanter or revitalizer. There's always one final fierce battle to face with the power of Christ, the grace of the spirit and the authority of Scripture. Hmm. Yeah, I
0: mean, this is a Nehemiah defending off Sambalot and Tobias and all the dissenters that, man, there there are times when, I mean, they're legitimately, this is going to be battle. Mm -hmm. And sword in one hand, trial in the other. The, that sword, though, is the word. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think you said that very well in your bar- bar- Barbaresque tweet, which which is actually perfect because this is the episode brought to you by the letter B. And Bob Bickford. And Bob Bickford. With his bar- Barbaresque tweets. <laughs> Battles with Bob Bickford. <laughs> beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, man. Bears. No, this is. <laughs> um, so there's. If you're dealing with some sort of major change, just to summarize here, there will be battle. Mm-hmm. There will be war. And and don't take this lightly. And you're gonna have to count the cost. And the Bible talks about counting the cost before we go to war, before we build anything. You're gonna have to count the cost. If you're married, talk to your wife. And and I'm look, I'm very serious about this don't do it alone thing. And that's your wife too. Mm-hmm. Like I would when I was going through battles like this, I had like a council of outside pastors i had rick wheeler as my director of missions i had a couple of other pastors that i leaned on and before i did anything big i would go here's what i'm thinking here's what i'm dealing with poke holes in it ask me questions and there were times where they they course corrected me and shifted me from walking into a buzzsaw when i didn't have to sometimes you're going to have to walk into a buzzsaw, and like it, what i would say is if, if you're so exasperated that you're to the point that you're going, I'm done, I'm gonna walk away. I would pray and ask the Lord for enough fight to get fired. And that may feel like a failure. What i tell you is not a failure. Even Jesus was rejected as a prophet. Just because you speak truth does not mean people are going to hear it and receive it. But we still have a responsibility to speak truth in love and in gentleness, based on the word, but speak truth. And so be ready, count the cost, talk to your wife, talk to counsel, make sure you're making the wise decision, the right decision. But if it is, man, be willing to get fired. I mean, stand on convictions and say, I'm not gonna bend here and pray that you don't get fired. Pray that this goes well, and sometimes it does.
1: Yeah, don't be stupid and do stupid things and get fired. Please don't. But stand on the Bible, stand on truth, and fight for the health and well-being of the body of Christ. Like who's gonna fight for it, right? The bullies have been fighting fighting to keep it from being healthy for a long time. And I think that's really the heart of what I'm trying to say. Through this thread, through this podcast, through just this exhortation is be ready to lay it line and fight for the health of the church yeah. according to what the scripture says. Because if you get up to the point where you are facing fierce opposition and you are, are facing a, an intense battle, know that it's likely that people before you have backed down. And the church has suffered. Yep. And it's only when someone stands up for the church mm-hmm. that the church will move forward and something will happen that will create an opportunity for health. And here, it, it really will go two ways. One is the, the gatekeepers will, will realize that they're not going to be able to intimidate you and you're going to win the vote or you're going to win the battle and they're going to leave. Right? And then the church moves forward. And there's a cost to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you may not be the guy that you may be the guy there to fight the fight and win the battle and then let somebody else come in and build on that. That may be your role. Yep. Or what could happen is you, you could back down and then the bullies win. Yep. Right. And then you leave that battle scarred and jaded and fearful. And you might not get into, you might not go back in ministry. We see a lot of guys that, that don't survive the first battle or the first threat of battle, right? They hear the shots and they bail out. And so... What I would say to you is, is you're gonna face a battle in every ministry position, like Jimbo, like you talked earlier, in every every stop. Some are gonna be really fierce, some are not. But man, stand up for the health of the church, stand on the word of God, be a gracious, humble pastor, but, but be courageous and bold. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp
0: Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing,